Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Thank you for joining us for the December issue edition of Three Squares, our final one for 2024. And the one thing we're not likely to do is do predictions. Although we might do some, we we could think about that for the end of the no, no, everybody's kind of shaking their heads, not so much. So, well, we'll think about that. Anyway, I am Charlie Arnott, and we are thrilled you are here to join us for Three Squares. I'm uh, with Look East and the Center for Food Integrity, committed to keeping the food system trustworthy, and thrilled I'm here with my co-hosts again, Kevin Ryan and Susan Schwally. And I'm Susan Schwally with Circana, where we bring clarity to understanding consumers. And I'm Kevin Ryan with Malachite Strategy and Research, helping CPG and retailers with the front end of innovation. And as always, we welcome you to provide your comments and feedback and potential guests and suggestions for 2024. Hard to believe that's already just around the corner. You can reach out to us at Three Squares Mail, the number three squares mail at gmail.com. And Kevin, once again, you've secured an outstanding guest for us today. Yes. Um, so I'm very excited to have um, Lucas Ballacy. So we have done a lot of, you know, I think we've almost been too much on like product and too much on maybe even the ag part of stuff. I mean, it's all very interesting, but we haven't done a lot of the stuff in the digital domain or anything like that. And I think Lucas is here to, to kind of help us kind of shore that up a little bit. So I'm very excited to present Lucas. Um, he's a partner and chief experience officer at Barrel. Uh, so that's a Shopify Plus partner agency. Uh, Lucas can tell us more what that means. Uh, working with brands to grow their e-commerce businesses through website design, development, and optimization. Uh, Lucas, for the last 10 years, has helped uh, shape Barrel's culture and processes while continually seeking innovative ways to collaborate with clients and help them succeed. Uh, for those of you that are interested, Lucas writes a weekly newsletter where he explores insights, experiments, and lessons learned in leadership, life, and e-commerce. And he also publishes has published over 300 posts about his experiences on his blog. Uh, on his blog. Um, so welcome to Lucas. Welcome. Yeah. Thanks so much. Happy to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Can you tell us a little bit before we start asking lots of questions? I mean, I kind of mentioned Barrel in the front and I said Shopify Plus. Give us a little sense of what, <laughs> what you do. What What is that for those of us that are maybe not as familiar with for the, for the web aspect of it? Yeah, definitely. So, um, you know, from a platform perspective, we do a lot of work on the Shopify ecosystem. Shopify is an e-commerce platform um, that can power your e-commerce business you know, pretty turnkey from small businesses getting into e-commerce, which we'll talk a lot about today, um, all the way up to enterprise level, um, you know, businesses that are, are trying to connect to their customers in new ways. Um, in terms of Barrel, we come into brands and we really help them think about how to optimize and create a great online experience um, that includes design and development. So we'll do optimization work, we'll do migrations. Um, but a lot of what we've seen in the last year or so has been this focus on customer retention, which is also mm -hmm. super interesting, as you can imagine, with customer acquisition getting harder and harder um, in 2023, brands are really thinking about how do we connect with our customers in new ways and get them to come back. 
Um, and so we also do a lot of email work as well. Uh, really thinking about that flow, thinking about engagement um, and making sure that we don't lose touch with, you know, some of our best fans uh, from a brand perspective. Right. I mean, what's interesting to me is like, you know, like I have a, a web page, but I'm like, you know, for any, any brand manager, you know, I'm sure they're like, oh yes, I, you know, I know I need to have a, a, a web presence, but beyond just doing like a standard template, if I'm a small company, like, and I don't do maybe, you know, direct to consumer type of, of stuff. Why spend a lot of time on, you know, your web page or your web presence? I mean, you know, I'm sure that that sounds like a you know ridiculous question, no, but like no. why why spend the time doing that? I mean, we see it. We're in talks right now with like a, a better for you cracker pizza uh, brand, and their site is not great, um, and they've grown quite a bit uh, over the last 25 years. Um, and so, you know, it really comes down to the fact that it's not necessarily for every brand that you need to start there. Mm -hmm. Um, but there does come a time where, you know, as you're maybe the market that you're playing in is getting more and more saturated with other types of businesses doing interesting things. Um, it becomes really a flagship for your brand. Um, you know, we've done things like creating origin story pages, uh, talking about manufacturing process. We worked with smarty pants vitamins for a long time, and there was this really cool way to come on and actually track where all the ingredients came from. Mm -hmm. uh, you could type in like the, the code on the bottle and actually you know, get that uh, story. So it becomes really a way to reinforce, um, you know, what you really care about and and kind of level up that experience for customers. We always think about, you know, the the person standing in the aisle at the store holding two boxes and saying, I'm trying to decide. And, you know, you try to do that in the packaging, but um, we're seeing a lot of focus on QR codes, actually giving it, making it really easy for people to jump to the website. Um, we can talk more about that later, why that becomes really important. Um, and so that's what we try to build with, uh, with our clients. One of the reasons we tend to use Shopify, even if there's no e-commerce presence, um, is that if they are planning to turn it on even a year down the road, they really can just flip a switch mm. and they don't need to rebuild the entire experience. So we've done that time and time again, where we build everything within Shopify. It has the concept of products. It has an app ecosystem for reviews makes that all really easy. And then you kind of just say, all right, now we want to start selling online. Um, and it's a pretty, you know, straightforward process from there. Mm. You know, it's really interesting you say that because I think there are oftentimes some of the companies we work with forget that the medium is the message, right? I mean, how it appears communicates something beyond beyond the the text, beyond the photos, how you actually interact with it has its own message and implies something about the brand. So with that in mind, what's your approach for building and maintaining that strong online identity for CPG? Does it really vary a bit by the demographic? And I'd love some examples of specific uh, CPG companies you think that are doing it really, really well. So we can kind of go and take a look and say, oh, well, this is this is what success looks like. Yeah, no, I think um, the way that I would think about this question is actually starting with the customer. Um, you know, when you're selling in retail, selling on Amazon, which we see quite a bit in CPG, mm -hmm. um, you actually it's hard to know who your customer is um, because you're not getting the kind of data that you get when you have a direct to consumer channel. Mm. Um, and so we really stress kind of this uh, primary focus of getting to know who your customers are, understanding what they find important. You can do that through focus groups, which we don't really get into that work, but we can help with if they have access to customers, we'll do a lot of like one hour customer interviews. We'll send surveys out if they have an email list. 
Um, and the reason we find that important is, you know, a lot of these brands think, oh, we're gluten-free. That's the value prop. Um, but really you find that, you know, there's some kind of, you know, entertainment aspect to their brand. And that's really what customers find important to it. Or, um, you know, they love that they can, you know, take it quickly in the car on their way out for their kids and it keeps them full longer. So we try to find these things out because that's what helps, um, you know, make sure the website stands out. And so when you start to do that work um, and get those insights, it's about repeating it. So continuing to do that work. Um, and then on top of that, making sure you have a lot of the, um, you know, tracking and analytics type things set up on your website. There's, there's a vast number of things that you can do, but there's a way to keep it simple with like a Google analytics, something called Microsoft clarity, which allows you to kind of see how people browse the site. Um, but constantly analyzing that, reanalyzing that and continuing to come with insights. So the website's not just becoming stale. Um, and so that's really, what we think about in terms of maintaining that on the site, um, you know, and then once, if they do launch D2C, a great way to have that kind of turned on period is a post-purchase survey. Um, there's a platform called Fairing that works with Shopify um, that you can set up a string of questions. And then every time a customer comes back, if they haven't finished it, they go to the next question, essentially. Mm. Um, and we've heard some really cool stories about brands who are trying to actually raise money and they've asked questions about competitors and they're able to show, hey, we're taking market share from these brands because all of our customers are saying like, this is who we were considering. So really cool ways to think about post-purchase and again, how to bring that, um, you know, into the website. Um, you know, I think from a uh, brands doing a nice job, there's a lot of brands out there with great websites. Um, and I think what's important to think about there is it's not always the nice websites that are the most effective. So, right. you know, we've, we've actually had clients come with beautiful websites, but they're slow. Um, they're not great on mobile. There's all this animation happening all over the place. And so <laughs> we come in and really simplify and really focus that message. Um, one, you know, a couple experiences I, I was thinking about um, is I bought this uh, steak at Costco. Um, and when I was making it, it was filet mignon and it had a QR code and it said like, you know, cause I'm like, I don't want to screw this up. Uh, it had a QR code. It brought me on the website and it showed me all the different ways to make it. Um, Ooh. and it just felt like, Hey, they've got my back. They're helping me through this process. And it made me go back and purchase it again. Um, another cool story is I was, um, buying some, uh, face, uh, moisturizer and I bought it on Amazon. You know, a lot of people start their research there. And uh, the brand was called Liliana Naturals. They didn't have a website at the time, but the reviews on Amazon were amazing. People showing these like crazy transformations, not anything I needed, but I'm like, look at these people. Um, so I bought the product. They, uh, they sent me this weird little note inside that said, hey, fill out this Google form for a free gift. And so I did, and I got this also very weird little screwdriver. So random. Um, which I've used a million times, by the way, because it's really <laughs> tiny. So I've used it to like change a watch battery, fix sure. glasses. Like, sure. I'm like, they, so I'm they knew you better brand. than you knew you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Moisturizer so and screwdrivers apparently yeah. overlapping yeah, their analytics. Works. Yeah. So weird. But then the cool part is many months later, they launched a website and they had my email. So they've been marketing mm -hmm. to me. I ended up buying another SKU from them. Um, and I now <laughs> can tell you their brand name, which I couldn't have before. Um, and so I think it just goes back to like thinking omni-channel, thinking about how to connect with customers in interesting ways um, and just making that experience really great. 
Um, you know, we always joke that how many people have bought the same cookie for 10 years and still don't know the name of the brand because yeah. they just like it. Um, uh, so how do you, how do you do that? You know, how do you fix that? You know, interesting. So that's so interesting. I, I love the screwdriver story, by the way. But um, so once once you get um the consumer to the website, how look at the brand managers had something in 3D on a shelf and knows how to market in that environment. How do you make a brand pop? What are the hallmarks of of brands that do that really well um in an online environment? Yeah, I mean, it's um I, I think and this is probably not the answer people want to hear, but I think it is at the end of the day, when you think about um retail, you've only got packaging, you've got a shelf, and you try to do anything too crazy, people are like, What is going on? And it becomes almost like, What is this? Right. And we've seen that, you know, with brands who are like, We're gonna do a cracker in this plastic thing, and people are like, What? you know, they're confused by this and it just feels like, uh, I don't know if I want this weird kind of package. Um, and so for us, it's really sticking to one, just like what are best practices on the web and what are people going to know how to use, right? So um, a lot of them are on their phones. So things need to be uh, really easy to click, you know, right sizing, uh, big images. You take a lot of cues from social media with scrolling through these big feeds, big images. So how do we make the photography really great, show off the product? A lot of times, Kind Snacks, we worked with for a long time and they revolutionized kind of from a package perspective, showing the, the product right through the through it. Same right. thing on e-com. A lot of times you see these CBG brands, it's the, it's the package, but you don't actually see what's inside. Um, so showing the product as much as possible to try to help with taste. So those are all really things that, you know, we see become uh, really important. But one thing that's really interesting is also thinking about channel. So if you're doing marketing efforts um, on social media, thinking about where they're coming from and making sure the landing page that they come to, it doesn't mean just send them to the homepage. It's saying, hey, there's a page that's speaking to the TikTok user. There's a page mm. that's speaking to the mm. Instagram user. Mm. There's a page that's a QR code from retail that is going to highlight recipes. It's going to highlight, it's going to, it's actually going to speak to what we think is on that person's mind when they land there from a content perspective. Based where they came um, from, right? Yeah, exactly. So it, it's not just saying, hey, let's make the homepage amazing for everyone because it's not possible. So you want that homepage to really be, you know, something that anybody coming on and discovering the brand will get what they need, but then get really deliberate about these other channels where you have some more control about, you know, the experience when they land there mm -hmm. um, as much as possible. Interesting. That's interesting. So we we talked a little bit about direct to consumer, but I'm just curious. You know, it's a really big leap to go to direct to consumer for a lot of folks, and it feels like I mean, you know, when you talk to people, they're like, "Oh, that was really big during the pandemic," and it seems like it's not as big anymore. But you know, <laughs> tell me about that. Tell me about your thoughts on direct to consumer. Is like, you know, what should you do? What should you be thinking about? What to be successful direct to consumer? What's the reasons to do it or maybe the reasons not to do it i don't know what's your what's your thoughts yeah i mean um there's a lot of i think we all probably understand the value of having direct to consumer uh a lot of it ends up coming down like there's there's obviously margin uh mm -hmm. customer acquisition costs there's all these other kind of back-end reasons that make it great for business however um you know from a brand perspective 
I would say the number one thing that we talk to our clients about is the customer data and understanding mm -hmm. who those customers right. are and building relationships, which you just cannot do. There are platforms that are trying to open the door to that, like Fetch. Mm -hmm. um, if you guys know the receipt upload yeah. rewards, you know, yeah. they're, they're sending data to brands and they're trying to help them get to know, you know, people like this who buy your product, they buy protein powder or they buy for their family. And this is probably somebody who's this age. Um, but that's really key. And so the way that we think about it is, you know, you don't have to start with DC right away, get the website up, but a pretty cool thing that happened this year was, um, something called buy with prime which is for uh, brands who are on Amazon doing really well, they could actually launch a Shopify store and allow customers to buy with their Prime account through Shopify. Yeah, and so we're actually talking to yeah a lot of uh, brands who have excelled on Amazon and saying, hey, build a Shopify site. You don't need to try to fulfill those orders right away. Choose some products, set up buy with Prime, because what's happening there is you're actually getting customer data from Amazon, which is mm. unheard of. Right. You can start to build that relationship, build the list. And then when you do offer D2C, you can you know, send emails to that list and then start to, to grow the business from there. Yeah. Um, and then when it comes to actually growing the business, it's like subscription models, you know, unique products, exclusive releases, try out flavors with D2C. Mm. You, know, you can really control it with kind of a limited release of things. Um, and so there's a lot of fun tactics that you can use once you've established that channel uh, for the brand. That buy to prime with Prime, though, from a consumer point of view, is just I don't know how many times that I've abandoned a cart because I had to enter my credit card or something yeah. for a new. And it's like if I could just buy with my Prime account, yeah, it's really that's really that's smart. That's yep. really smart. Yeah. yeah, and not be on Amazon. It's crazy. And not be yep. on Amazon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, it's so interesting because just yesterday I was having conversations about like, you know, the continual demise of cookies and the importance of first party data. And it really ties into what you're saying about D2C and, and having that view of of the consumer. Um, so that's I, I could just see this becoming even more of an imperative for for companies. Um, pretty fascinating. Um, so I actually I have a I have a question that's near and dear to my heart. Um it's the holiday season. <laughs> and I'm just curious, you know, a lot of the, um, the strategy is you go online and um, there'll be like, oh, gift set, or there's like kind of an ad. Oops. Oops. Oh. Kevin, you might have to take over here. Susan, you're breaking up a little <laughs> bit for us. Oh, no. Oh, keep, yeah. going. Yeah. keep going. Keep going. Keep um, going. But like, <laughs> start with it. What are some cool strategies for like holiday shopping and, and getting the consumer during this time of the year? Yeah. I mean, if we're talking, just to be clear, we're talking, they have a website. Doesn't have to be. Could be either. Kind of what? Okay. Okay. Yeah. I think, um, you know, a lot of it, what's interesting. So I'll speak to more generally. I think having uh, loyalty programs and referral programs are key. Um, and having those in place so that you can say, hey, thanks for your purchase um, and making sure that they feel that you've recognized them and you're giving them something for becoming a fan and you know enjoying their product. Um, a lot of times we'll see uh, some fun things around free gifts. So again, if you are doing online, you know, sending in uh, another uh, product or flavor or sample of that 
um, just to say again, Hey, try this out. We want to, you know, we want to reward you. Um, screwdriver. Great, great <laughs> screwdriver. Uh, great customer support is still, you know, one of the, uh, most important things. And I think when you start to get into mm-hmm. some of these products that fall into kind of the better for you, uh, category, you end up, we've heard some pretty amazing stories about how these, you know, certain products have changed people's lives. They're dealing with illnesses. They're trying to lose weight. Uh, a lot of these things become very emotional and you have people looking, you know, to the brand for these very specific questions, mm-hmm. which ties into kind of telling those stories about those customers um, and sharing them on social. Um, you know, it's interesting, Clavio, the uh, email platform, they just released their kind of post uh, Black Friday, Cyber Monday report. And they talked about how discounting more and more didn't really do much for customer acquisition. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really the uh, emails that they were sending, the brands were sending, were inspiring repeat purchase from customers. So, so, so I think- I ask a, Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. No. no, I was going to ask a quick question because this is the second time you've mentioned reaching out via email. And for me, email is where things go to die. And so thing, funny. You're not the first I, person who said that. I know. Well, crazy but how now I get true. texts, right? Because everybody's like, <laughs> yes, sign yes. up for temper, right? Yep. But now things go to my text to die because everybody's texting me. So what's the next frontier? Like, how are you seeing, is email still effective? Yeah. So there's, there's a lot of, um, so it is an, an SMS, um, both you need to be smart about, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, without we could have a whole podcast on this, but um, the key is really making sure you understand who that person is and sending them marketing that is going to resonate with them. Because Susan, I'm sure there are brands that you do pay attention to their emails, but it might be two, or maybe you've ordered something. And if you don't get an email, you think you just like what happened, right? So these things are very much just integrated into our lives, but we also have these huge inboxes of stuff that we're like, yeah. how do I get off of all these, these lists? Yeah. Um, and so really thinking about, you know, don't send a million emails at, at once. There's a way to kind of warm the, the customer up. A lot of it times it's through transactional emails, both on SMS and emails. Um, so really thinking about where customers are most engaged. Um, but I love the example of like, if you have someone shopping for jewelry for their partner, don't send them, continue to send them emails as if they're the one wearing the jewelry. Mm-hmm. So how yeah. do you find yeah. out that they were the one getting a gift so that every holiday you can tell them, Hey, this is, there's new stuff Got to it. gift get because yeah. you're just going to unsubscribe otherwise. Cause you're right. like, why are you still sending me? I don't care about this. Yeah. Right. So yeah. there's yeah. some really easy ways to think about that. Um, but believe it or not, so many brands just haven't, haven't done that yet. Um, yeah. So interesting. Well, you had me at Costco. So I just wanted I was to, to say, say that. yeah, <laughs> Kevin and Susan know I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of Costco. I buy many of my clothes there, which is quite, quite an embarrassment to many of my family, but I like it. I think they do a fine job. So, all right, kind of wrapping up one last question before we head to the quiz here. So what, what do you think are some of the emerging trends in, in e-commerce and digital marketing that CPG companies should be aware of? I mean, it changes so rapidly. So as you look at 2024 and beyond, what should they be thinking about? Is, the, is now the time to make the investment? Should they wait another six months until the technology changes again? What, what's happening in that space? Yeah, there's a few different things. Um, one I would say is, you know, and this could be waiting until you you level up uh, the website or, or even invest in like a landing page, um, but really thinking omni-channel. And, you know, I mentioned QR codes earlier. 
there's a lot of really cool things happening around um, like you can upload a receipt and get an instant rebate via Venmo, um, mm-hmm. you know, in store, or you scan a QR code and you get some kind of connection to the brand. And then they obviously have your information as we've talked to today. So just being on top of that and, and exploring those, um, uh, exploring those opportunities. Um, subscription as membership is a really cool thing mm-hmm. that kind of emerged. It's been around, but it's a very cool um, kind of way to think about uh, bringing CPG brands online because, you know, a lot of times the value prop is that you don't have to think about ordering the same, you know, thing every single week or month or whatever it is. But then taking that a step further and saying, hey, you're going to be able to get access to this community um, or we're going to allow you to try new products before anyone else. And so Mm -hmm. thinking about this more as, you know, I'm a member of this brand's uh, kind of community and I get products, but I also get access to these other things. Um, And then I would say post-purchase is something we're seeing um, become more and more important, which is really thinking about, you know, everybody's focused on that conversion. Um, but we like to think about that as actually the first, the beginning of the relationship. So we're all talking about how do we get customers to our site? How do we get them to convert? But then it's like, well, now what, what happens after? And so thinking about post-purchase order tracking, um, and a lot of times that's the time to educate customers, get them excited, send them recipe content, talk to them again about sourcing ingredients, founder story, um, to really make sure by the time the product arrives, they're so excited to try it or eat it again, you know, that they, um, you know, want to tell everyone about that experience. So I would say those are some of the top three. There's definitely other things emerging, but that's what I would be thinking about um, heading into the new year. Very cool. Very cool. Thank you for sharing. It is the holiday season. And one of my favorite pies is pumpkin pie, including the $5 pumpkin pie at Costco, which is ginormous if you haven't had it. But but over the last couple of of, of episodes, I've had some humble pie served to me by Susan during the quiz. And so we're going to, we're going to transition to the quiz and Lucas, you are welcome to stay along, stay around and participate if you like. Yeah. Yeah. Hang out. You can participate. You can answer the questions. And uh, Kevin always comes up with some really, really interesting Facts and uh, we 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 believe that most of them are actual facts. They aren't K facts. They are. Uh, they are. So yeah, they're facts. We, we, they're we'll, facts. We'll, we'll go with that. Tra- yeah. Charlie, facts. this strategy of you buttering me up before is actually throwing me off. So if that's your intent, <laughs> that is your intent. He's trying you know, to throw for you a off long time, name. Lucas. I let Charlie win because I wanted to make oh, sure that I wasn't please. bruising his male ego. Oh, yeah. Yeah. oh wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But she's wow. come back strong here the last couple that's times. That's right. So. That's right. Yeah. All right, let's kick it off. This is definite. This is a holiday. I had to go really different. It's definitely a holiday, but I had to go way off, you know, in left field here because I didn't want you to, you know. I know, like I said, I think you're studying not on the ordinary. The side. Ho ho ho! That's right. Not not the ordinary. So, okay. Question one: uh, According to Doctor Seuss's estate, his estate, mm. uh, Doctor Seuss, what is actually in hoop pudding? Is it a root beer flavored creamy pudding with multicolored marshmallows? Is it B, marshmallow cream with peanut butter and gumdrops? Is it C, rice pudding with red and green M&Ms? Or is it D, cool whip uh, pineapples and red and green maraschino cherries? I'm going B. B, marshmallow cream, peanut butter? Okay. Yes. You go D, cool whip, pineapple? Mm -hmm. It's actually C, rice pudding with red and green M&Ms. You didn't let Lucas guess. He did. did He said the same as Charlie. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. So apparently, it. I did not know this because I apparently have not paid attention to the to the to the you story. Read Doctor Seuss's will. 
Yeah, up well that too. But you can go <laughs> online and find this. It's actual recipe, but um, it only done. creates a few cups of pudding. But apparently, because it starts with two thirds cup of rice, apparently that serves two hundred who's. Huh. They were that That's small. It. They're very yeah. tiny. They're, They're tiny. Very, very yeah. tiny. Little, little All right. Folks. So everyone's Lucas. Did you say B or would you say no, I said B? I said B. Oh, you said B. Okay. No, I didn't okay. get that right. Yeah. All right. Zero here for everybody. All right. All right. Number two. According to a 2019 study, the average person consumes approximately how many calories on Christmas Day? Oh, boy. Ooh, Is it wow. 3,500, 5,500, 6,500, or 8,000? Can't be 8,000. We'd all explode. Yeah. I'm going to go 5,500. I'm going to go 5,500. 3,500. All right. Uh, Susan, what did you say? 3,500. And Charlie, you said? 55. And Lucas? 35. All right. Charlie got it. It's 55. Yeah. Oh, man. 55. I didn't, want, I didn't want that to be right, but it's <laughs> right. So, I know, right? I, like, I can't say that. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah. Two times, two times a recommended well, daily if you, allowance. If you need that uh, $5 pumpkin pie, you should check out a slice <laughs> yeah, that's, that's probably 2,000 calories right there. <laughs> You're right, though, Charlie. That's twice as much recommended for a guy, three right. times uh, what yeah. recommended for the average female. So, yeah, that's quite a lot. That's so, a that's the average. Yes. Okay. So, Charlie's up one. Which of the following, when eaten in excess, can cause hallucinations, seizures, and heart palpitations? Well, that sounds like a fun party game. Christmas, <laughs> Is it Christmas, A, there you go. vanilla, B, nutmeg, C, cranberries, or D, molasses? Nutmeg. I'm going to nutmeg. Lucas? going to go molasses. It is nutmeg. It yeah. is nutmeg. Wow. So there's some nuts that have some really weird properties, and if you consume mm -hmm. too many of them, they're not well. Nutmeg is not a nut. Oh, it's not. It is not it's a not? nut. No, it's it? not a nut. It's what considered is it? a seed, a I believe. I believe oh, it's it considered a seed. a seed. Aren't nuts huh. seeds? Uh it's different though. It's not. It's not the, like a nut meat. Um, but anyway, it contains a, con a, a, a compound called meristocin, and in excess, in excess means about two tablespoons. That's a lot. Oh. To actually. Uh, it can cause what's called meristocin poisoning, which is very dangerous. Do not try this at home. But Charlie, uh, do not eat the whole Costco pumpkin pie. I will not. I will not. Well, because it might be a very nutmeggy pumpkin pie. So, all right. Yeah. So we're still. I think so, we're. So uh, Bob Seger did a song like that. Nut meat city limits. I think it was. So. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, no, Connecticut's was, was, was a nutmeg that. state. That's right. That's right. So yeah. they're hallucinating, having seizures, palpitations. Yeah. Hmm. All right, Charlie, you're still up. Traditionally, what food and drink do kids in Britain and Australia leave out for Santa? Is it mm. A, sherry and mince pies, B, tea and marmite or Vegemite, Vegemite on toast? Is it C, biscuits and beer, or is it D, fruit and water? I'm going to go the marmite or Vegemite route. Okay. So I was going to say spotted dick, but that's not a choice. That is not a choice. So some, some households might. Two. Uh, fruit and water. What are the first two? Uh, sherry and mince pies, and then the tea and marmite or vegetarian on toast, biscuits and beer, or fruit and water. Fruit Susan, water. you said fruit I'm and gonna water. Go, I'm going to go with the first, the sherry and mince pies. Sherry and mince pies. Lucas got it. It is sherry well and mince pies. Well done. Nice. Yes, that is the traditional. Now, that doesn't mean that today uh, you're not seeing lots of different things, but that's been traditionally what people, kids would leave for Santa. Does anybody right. else here like Vegemite? I like Vegemite. I like it in small amounts. Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. I don't not like it. But. Yeah, in small amounts. All right, last question. 
Uh, we've got one to one, Charlie and Lucas. Uh, gingerbread men cookies were originally invented for what reason? Was it A, they were made to represent the people you have lost throughout the year that you wanted with you on the holidays? Was it B, they were invented as a customized treats by British grocers to give their customers around Christmas? Was it C, they were originally New Year's items where you would bake them to look like your enemies and then crush, the, crush them in effigy so that you'd have a better New Year? That's so disgusting. They, D, they were created by Queen Elizabeth as a party favor. Oh, it's got to be B or D. I'm going B. I'm going to go B. B for the grocers? Yeah. Okay, Susan and Charlie locked in. Lucas? Mm, I'm going to go D. You are correct. Lucas is correct. Lucas they were wins. created. Wow. They wins. were created by Queen Elizabeth the First. She would host these massive parties, and she would bake special gingerbread that looked like the VIPs and foreign dignitaries to get you know their favor. She even had a royal gingerbread pastry chef on staff. What? Just what? To that's make a, that's an old cookie. That's mm -hmm. been around a long, time. very long time, very wow. long time. Now, was it was it an art text string earlier this this week where somebody said, you know, is the gingerbread man ever concerned that the the house is made of his skin? <laughs> oh, no, that was know. not oh, our man. text. Was not our text string. Okay, no. <laughs> I saw that though. Uh, Schneider's uh, pretzels just came out with a commercial talking about that. Really. Yes. Yes. Hmm. About the gingerbread house being the gingerbread man. I believe skin? so. I believe so. Yeah. Hmm. So, all right, Lucas. Lucas, Lucas, you're the first yeah. guest to prevail. Congratulations. I think you are. You are. Look hey, at that. Hey, Lucas, you get wow. pride, not prize. That's yeah, right. That's yeah, you right. get the same prize we always get for winning, which is nothing. Yeah. Well, I, you I can learned, walk around all day, I, I though. I learned quite a few things here. I know. I know. Kevin's <laughs> Kev a that. font of knowledge. That's it's the, amazing the things that he knows. Get. We always benefit yeah. from it every month. So, Well, we like to thank Lucas for, for joining us. And for those of you interested, uh, Barrel New York. And then Lucas has his own website, lucasballacy.com. You can go on to. Is that correct? Yes. Yep. Awesome. Got thank it. you awesome. very much. Yeah, Lucas, thank you so much for joining us. And thank you yeah, for yeah. listening to Three Squares in 2023. We will be back in 2024. We already have a couple of guests lined up for next year. It's going to be as exciting as always, hopefully even better. And you can continue to connect with us at 3squaresmail at gmail.com, the numeral 3squaresmail at gmail.com. Hope you and yours have a wonderful holiday season, a safe and prosperous new year, and we will see you in late January of 2024. Take care. Bye now. All right. Thanks. Bye. Thank you. Yeah. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.